welcome to A Mission Driven You. This is a podcast for people who want to do good and do well in the world. And I've got two great guests today, Michael DiPietro and Marcy Donnelly. And I'm excited to share them with you. Uh, Michael is a individual who has brought his engineering mind to the idea of purpose and programming and language and how we think about our world that, that we live in. And Marcy shares a lot of similarities to me coming out of the corporate world, process and project management, certainly worked a lot in finance, but also brings an idea of the Reiki, Reiki calming energy to the work that she does. And so it's a really interesting synergy. I think it's going to be a fun conversation, and I'm super excited to share it with you, with you all. And Michael and Marcy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're excited to be here. For sure. <laughs> Thank great. you. So I shared with you guys before, there's one question I always ask guests, and I'd love for both of you to, to answer it, because my work has always come out of the idea of interdependence, kind of mutual networks of dependence. And so I'd love for both of you in either order to tell me a story about somebody that made a difference for you. Somebody, when you look back, you're like, yeah, that was a, they were a real turning point in my life. Well, I'm going to, uh, it's yours truly, Marcy Donnelly. So I always kind of walked my own path and worked as a solo entrepreneur for a long time. And uh, when I met Marcy, I first met her as a client. But as we worked a few years down the road, she I really approached her to write this book with me and to work with me. And then that collaboration, that interdependence we formed created an amazing result. And so we've become business partners. Our relationship has grown immensely. We're, we're deep friends now. And it's just, it's really changed my life because I feel the support and love that we have all the time. And so it's, it's amazing to have that after you walk your path alone for a long time. And I really love your term interdependence because that's really how, you know, when, when we evolve, we go from codependent to independent to interdependent. And Marcy and I have, have we share, share responsibilities and we dovetail very nicely together. So we've been able to go farther than I could on my own. I love that. Marcy. Thanks. I have to say Michael's made the biggest difference in terms of my own personal transformation, but that You'll hear more about that as we talk uh, as we talk today. So absent of what he's brought to my life, I was I thought back that probably in a in a strange way, though I've only met her once, Louise Hay is amazing. and it's it's not just her work that started, you know, back in the 80s around this transformation, which is probably when I started even hearing terms about meditation and transformation. Um, but through my journey over the last um, 20 or 30 years, I've been able to go to conferences and see speakers and just the knowledge that she brought this big community together that I was able to take advantage of, which eventually led me to this work with Michael. I don't think without her and starting as a woman in um, in such in being, I think, um, a real change maker early on, I would say that she's made a definite impact in my life. I love those stories. Thank you both for sharing them. Yeah, and I, I, I started asking that question because it's it's often true that we we just for we forget in the day to day we're so busy focused on what we're doing 
we forget that we stand on the shoulders of so many people that came before us. And I, I love the spark in people's eyes that uh, that kind of light up when I when I ask that question. So thank you both for sharing that. That's great. So here's where I want to start. You both have had experience in the corporate world, and you you've you've spent some time kind of as as entrepreneurs. You've worked around you know the workplace. I'd love for you to sort of reflect on the work that you do and how it's so much more important now in the world than maybe it was in the 80s or the 90s. It feels like we're it feels like we're at this inflection point where corporate life and work life has become so marginalized and so separated from what we do the, the rest of our humanity i mean so many so many from office space to severance there's so many shows now about how like if we could just turn our personal life off when we're at work and our work life off when we're at home i'd love for you both to reflect on the the question like how can we begin to come back into relationship with all of our life including what we do for at least eight hours of every day marsh why don't you go first on this one yeah, I'm um I'm still in corporate life and I've been in banking for many years now. And that actually was a, a question that I looked at after being with the bank for 16 years and being laid off. And it was in the you know around 2008 when there was you know economic struggle and um uh, and kind of the crash of some banks. And um at that point I knew that there was a disconnection between my personal life and my business life. So instead of going back to another corporate job, I ended up opening up a small business, which eventually made me run back to the corporate world. Because when you think you have all this flexibility and um, and ownership, it's 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 really tough to have a successful small business. And so in going back into the finance and banking world, I wanted to go back, but as my full self. I did not want to feel like I, I had to work eight hours and disconnect from who I really was. And I think through the last few years and, um, you know, having a, a lot of businesses and industries offer work from home programs, that overlap and that it, we're blurred now between what is work and what is home. And it's interesting because I happen to work for a, a, a bank that has embraced and understands the challenges with that and the challenges sometimes with isolation. And so they actually have implemented over the last few years, a meditation program, a wellness program. And I had in terms of coming back to work, figure out how I'm still serving my purpose in a corporate job. And as crazy as it sounds as finance and banking and as a project manager by trade, I realized what I do in my job is offering people financial products that support their dreams and wishes. And so it, it and so it's forced me to blend because I don't like living in the world that seems kind of unauthentic where I have to be one person in one situation, one in another. And I think through this work and working with um, Michael and the tools in the book, I'm able to recognize really what my value tools and talents are and serve that purpose throughout all relationships in my life, including the corporate one. And I get work done faster, by the way, with my tools. <laughs> I'm better at my job now and get things done easier and simpler now that I don't have that nonsense going on in, in my brain. <laughs> so <Right>. helpful tip. <laughs> well, I, I really love this question because to me, you know, no matter what 
corporation or business or organization we're in, we're bringing our human self to, to, to play every moment. And that's what I think some organizations don't understand is the human factor. And our whole orientation now in my work is, is getting people to face the interior life. You know, we're very externalized in a lot of ways. And in organizations, it, it's all about productivity, bottom line, which, which is fine. We're not going to say no to that. But what if it's, you know, it, a lot of businesses, it's profit over people. But what if it's profit and people? What if, what if we can bring that human element and begin to create corporate cultures that support a deeper experience for the human being? And that's really what, what lights me up is, is when I think corporate cultures are like personalities and people, They're, they run the gamut. And so you've got some companies that can be really amazing in how they support, the, support people in, in their wellness. And then you've got companies that are just drivers and, you know, I could name a few, but I'm not going to th- call them sure. out. But, <laughs> you know, so I think it's, it's really important that we begin in this day and age to honor the deeper dimensions of people, the, the mental, emotional, spiritual wellness, the deeper experiences, and begin to make it okay to dialogue about that, right? Yeah. Because sometimes it's taboo if, if we talk about emotions in the workplace, right? You know, and, and so I think if we can begin to, to create a context where this is okay, it's going to serve us all in the long run. I love that. I love both of those answers. Thank you. And I, I have to note that both of you are in the Bay Area. Both of you are in San Francisco. So uh, I'm sure you could come up with <laughs> plenty of examples of corporations that have put profit over people. I'd love to hear you both reflect on your journey because coming from project and project and, and program management to, to the inner life of the, of the, of the soul, coming from engineering to neurolinguistic programming, like there's, I, I just, I'm curious. I really want to know, like, how did that, like, how did that happen? It almost seems like, like, like you're unicorns or something. Like, how did you guys get to where you are coming from where you came? Gosh, I want to know how it happened too. <laughs> uh, I'll start with that one. You know, I, I was pretty driven in my twenties and I, I got a degree in engineering and went into technical sales, but I actually burned out pretty early in that. And then I, I really had to start digging and delving into what my purpose was and what, what I was here for. Cause I just, I wasn't, I wasn't good at the corporate culture. And when I was younger, I was very puffed up and externalized. I had a big ego and it eventually I got faced with myself in that respect. And so it really caused me to go deeper and find out what I really want to do. And so around 2930, I'm, I'm 59 now. So around 2930, I really started a journey of kind of deepening into the more spiritual dimensions of life. And, you know, let me qualify spiritual because some people get a little uh, freaked out by that word, but I, to me, it's really honoring the, the totality of our interior life, really, and living from a deeper perspective. So that's how I use that word. And so I started really with a lot of meditation, martial arts, almost was a monk in my 30s. So I really pulled away from all the corporate stuff and started down this road of of introspection and 
wanting a different dimension to my life. And then about 38, 40, around that time frame, I, I started to come back out into the world and, and re-engage in the corporate environment. I started a coaching practice in San Francisco, executive coaching, but it was on a different dimension. I had studied the neuro-linguistic programming and I was really working a lot with mindset and outcomes and how people put their reality together. And so I was doing very well in that respect. And then I hit midlife and anyone who hits midlife knows that's a big transition point. <laughs> and so I, I did another withdrawal and kind of went in and kind of walked away from a lot of what I had created. And then in the last few years, it's it's been emerging in another dimension now with the book and really, really almost moving away from corporate outcomes and really focusing on the empowerment of the individual, how, how we show up in community, really living our purpose, getting through the challenges that we face, and really beginning empowering people to be their own guide, to, to learn that the answers lie within, right? So it's, it's a really a different dimension. And that's why it doesn't always, it doesn't always mesh in every corporate culture, but again, if we can bring this in, it, it really empowers the whole organization. If you have a whole group of individuals who are empowered and in their authority and, and, and in their, their power, it's going to help the organization. So that's, that's really my focus now is to, to work on that, that level with people, whether they be an individual or, or an organization. Yeah, I love that. Same question, Marcy. How do you get, how do you get from corporate finance to Reiki healing. <laughs> like what's the, I'd love to know, I'd love to, you know, give it, obviously you can't give us the whole journey, but give us the big picture. Yeah. I think I'm a naturally curious problem solver and I'm a very logical process oriented structure person. And so if there's something that's not feeling right, if I'm not achieving what I'd like to achieve, I usually go out and learn. I have this love of learning. And so, which is really been, I think, the pivotal moment in uh, when I started working with Michael five years ago, because I've always looked for something on the outside. So I thought, you know, through business, it's additional training and development, and how can I be more efficient and effective? And then in my personal life, if there were things that weren't working out for me, or I would look and see that other people had achieved certain things, like personally, professionally, and so I would take that back and figure out kind of what the gap is and then what sort of lesson or, or tool, as I call them now, I could learn. So that includes anything from, you know, process training and Six Sigma to, to learning Reiki because I love, um, I've always had this um, introspective nature and I love learning new tools, especially Michael and I in the book call it the mountaintop moments. You know, those moments when you go to a conference or convention and, and uh, you know, everything is flowing and things seem connected and you have this whole notebook filled with all your new tools and techniques and then you go back home and you live those for a couple of days and then you park it with your other stack of tools and then you go back to, like for me, I went back to like, gosh, you know, I still feel unfulfilled. Like, okay, so what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And so uh, I have a whole list of all of those tools and techniques that I've learned through throughout the years, both personally and professionally. And it wasn't until um, working with Michael a few years ago when I said, gosh, 
like what's missing? Like what? I, I just feel like this, like there's something more that I want. And he's like, what are you doing looking outside for somebody to train you on what that something more is? That is within yourself. Like what you're missing is that connection to who you are authentically. And in a weird way over these last five years, I can't even remember who I was five years ago in terms of mindset, because I just was always so driven to achieve and figure things out and get to the next level. And and now learning to shift my focus from outside to inside and using my gifts, tools, and talents to live what, what I figured out as my purpose, which is doing this work. I, I, things now seem to work out more effectively. People will show up. I'll notice things. Things seem easier to resolve. And I'm not, I would wake up. There's a lot of people that sleep with a notebook next to their bed because they wake up with their mind already spinning before their eyes are barely open. And that's who I used to be because that's how I thought I got stuff done. But now I realize I don't get things done by making myself crazy and continuing to struggle. I get things done by um, by sitting back and letting them happen as they should and putting my attention, care and focus. I mean, we still work extremely hard and we still have to get up and get things done. But the amount of work compared to what we get done, the ratio is now flipped. It's much less work with much better, deeper, sustainable results. It's pretty incredible. That is incredible. I'd love for you both to reflect on, you know, I think sometimes it can be really terrifying. Frankly, it sounds liberating to say I'm completely in charge of myself. I'm what was your uh, your phrase, Michael, was I'm my own guide. It sounds liberating, but it can also be terrifying because there's no one else to blame (laughs) suddenly. (laughs) How do you help people make lasting change and really come into deeper conversation with themselves? Yeah, so it starts with an inquiry. And generally, there's some issue, you know, or or obstacle or something. And what I do is in the course of conversing with someone, we begin to posit two states. One is the problem state and the other is the solution state, right? And so if you're holding a context for both of those at the same time while you're in dialogue with someone you're basically unpacking their reality. You're, you're seeing how they put their reality together and creating a deeper rapport with the individual so that they feel safe to open up to these vulnerable places. So that's the second thing that has to be deeply in place is a sense of safety in the interaction. So these tools begin to create a framework and then you're basically deconstructing going back into the memory of how people have put their reality together, how they've created their experiences, going back, getting resolution for that, and then helping them create these new reference points for a new way forward in their life. And at the end of the day, it's all a neurological function. It's all neural pathway. So we can, you know, we can go as woo-woo out there as we want to, but the very practical nature of it is it's a neural pathway in your brain creating a certain experience. And when we have the code, when we have the programming code, which is how people process and how people put their reality together, and we can unpack that, then we have the keys to moving moving the wires around and shifting shifting 
their whole experience, not only of life, but of themselves to how they, how they reference themselves. I was going to say in an example for me, I'm a organized person as, as uh, you can probably imagine. I like structure. I like things to look organized. I like to know where things are through this work that I realized with like this trait in myself, there's duality of chaos. And so the more I can accept the fact that I'm an organized person and I love structure, I also have some chaos within me. And so being able to acknowledge that shadow part is also part of who I am. And we there's a theme of vulnerability, I think, Will, in some of your earlier questions and how do we, um, how do we bring this to work? I, there's a lot of vulnerability. When we first uh, got our first copy of the book, I was reading it on an airplane and I thought, oh my gosh, some of my sessions are in here with my name next to it. And, and so there's, but I'm at the place now where if it's doing good to others, if, if it's a tool that someone could relate to, then I'm okay being vulnerable and, and uh, I don't have uh, that tied to perfection. And so I think that that's another tool is not only accepting what our, you know, our natural state, but also accepting the duality of that and how do I show up instead of opening the door and yelling at my family because things are out of place and chaotic. I, I open the door and sometimes I may get that reaction, most often not, but I have to sit back and realize like, okay, that was a little trigger because it's not, but I'm not freaked out about it. And I don't yell at you know family about it. And, and I could have that same sense of stability and peace whether things are chaotic or structured and organized, because I know that's just the other side of the coin. Yeah. 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 A a phrase that a mentor of mine uses is all is well when all is well within. Mm -hmm. When I'm well within myself, then whatever chaos is happening around me, all is well. You know, you you, you talked a little bit about how people can feel more comfortable being their own guide and, and what, why that might be a little bit scary for some people. And I think, you know, when we have a strong external structure, it can kind of work as bumper rails. And so it gives us a sense. But the the challenge is, is to really find this internal authority. And I think the key is that people need to go just a little deeper and they've yeah. maybe mislabeled who they are, especially when there's esteem issues or, you know, I can't do this or I'm not worthy. That's, that's not true at the end of the day. It's, it's a lie that people have learned to believe about themselves. And so when we get to the authentic center of who we really are, that guidance and that authority is very natural and organic. It's, it's, it's really just being who we are at the end of the day. And so that's, that's maybe how people can frame that so it's a little more comfortable for them to, to begin to take that inner journey. And we've danced around the book, but we haven't actually talked about the book yet. So I'd love to dive in. Tell us about, tell us about the book. Well, the book is uh, it's really a journey inward. So it yeah. takes people first through the labyrinth of the mind and how your mind puts your reality together. And then we delve into the unconscious structures of the mind and uh, how that relates to our body and to body awareness and body consciousness. And then in the third part, how we get beyond body-mind, how we get beyond ourselves as an individual to live our purpose in the world. 
So really the first two parts of the book are taking people deep, deep, deep to their spiritual or mystical core to a somewhat, we could call it a state of enlightenment where we no longer need self-affirmation or self-definition. We're, we're just living as we are. And then we take that back out into the world. So it's the inside guide. It's really guiding people on a journey to the depth of who they are. And then in the third part of the book, we're really inviting them to come out into the world from that place. So, so that, that's the irony is for us to live our purpose, we really have to know who we are and then share, share that gift with the world. And so those are, those are the, the large themes of the book. Um, and uh, it's really, we, we've titled the sections, Finding Your Answers, Overcoming Your Obstacles, and Living Your Purpose. And those are the three main aspects of, of what we're journeying with people on. And it really takes people on a journey. There's, a, there's another dimension to this book in that it kind of has an energy to it. And because it was created not only from my work, but from the relationship that Marcy and I have, it's really gone further in how it shows up for people and how it guides them because our love and our relationship is, is woven into the book too. And so that it's, it's, we're really happy with that because a couple of people have said, wow, this book has powerful energy to it. It's really doing something to me and I can't describe it, but it, it's good and I like it and I'm, uh, I'm getting a lot of benefit from it. So I'm sure Marcy has some other points to add that I've probably missed on there. So. One of the, it's because Michael and I have different backgrounds and different perspectives and because I was a client and I'm a reader and, and a fan of, of this type of material, we made sure that we wanted to make it almost like a journal because at the beginning we state like, if anything in this book doesn't ring true, then put it to the side, but this is about you. And so all of the answers have to be within from within. And so we've set the book up and we keep getting feedback that it's uh, it's easily readable, that people like the readability of it because we break it down between, like I said, I show up, we so there's some narrative and lessons and tools and then exercises and then examples on some uh, client work. Uh, like I said, there's some with me and some with other clients with Michael. And then we have key concepts that at the end you could kind of summarize and and refresh. So that's one thing that I loved when we were writing is I kept saying, gosh, I, as a reader, it gets super deep. So can we see an exercise? Like how does somebody sit back and and reflect on the material? And that's really when you get changed. Like if you pick up a book and read it cover to cover, but it you don't you know embrace it or process it, then it tends not to be that helpful. And so we really wanted to make this a book that, you know, if this is, if you're new to the material, if you want to apply it to a personal, your personal life, your business life, relationships, um, whatever aspect of your life, the answers and the tools could be applied to those. And, uh, and like I said, the readability, I think is, is something that's super positive about it. I'm excited about how it turned out. Yeah. What I love about your work is how practical it is. I find sometimes I almost I almost feel like I need to like woo woo proof my concepts or something, <laughs> but I feel like you guys have made it really practical, really approachable, 
And I, I, I appreciate that. Michael, I want to talk about neuro-linguistic programming because I want to I focus really on language. Language is so important. How did you come to your love for NLP and, and how does that influence what you, what you bring to clients? Well, when I was uh, on that journey in my 30s, I realized I needed some more powerful tools in my toolbox. And so NLP just spoke to me. I was looking at hypnotherapy versus NLP. I'd kind of narrowed it down. And NLP is like hypnotherapy in a waking state. So we're really being able to unpack and get to the unconscious aspects of people's experience. And one of the beautiful things about this tool set is it's it's really looks at the structure of language and not just how I'm delivering that to you, but how you and Marcy and your audience is receiving it right now. So if I think I'm communicating, but someone's confused on the other end, I'm not communicating, right? So it really has to be understanding your listener, understanding how they're putting their reality together and beginning to have a tool set so that you can step onto their frame of reference. You can step into their world, begin to work with them on their own terms, right? And everyone's putting their, we're all walking around in our little bubble of reality. And so when you can step into someone's world with with respect and rapport and do that in a safe way that's on their own terms, they really open up. They're, They're able to shift a lot in a much quicker, much more effective way than just kind of pushing or, you know, oh, you should just get this or, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not about giving advice. It's, it's really um, how do, how do we go enter in and then how do we unpack like what's, what's hurting for someone or what's, what's difficult for someone and get to the source of how they're creating that. Right. So one of the beauties of the NLP tool set is we look at sensory-based information as the, the, the language. So just like you're, uh, you're seeing externally, we also see internally, we hear internally, we feel internally, and we're running about 24 frames of information in our brain every second. So there's a lot of data going through, through that. And so we're able to kind of go into a, a, a section of a person's experience, open it up, understand the data, and then move the wires around and, and reprogram that so they get a different experience. And, and the goal is not to have to remember to be different so that when, when you work with the unconscious mind, a lot of the change and the positive results we get become more automatic. And that's the beauty of it is, I've, you know, I've had clients say like, I can't, just like Marcy said earlier, I can't remember how I used to be because it seems like I've always been this way. And that's what, that's the effect we're looking for, where it seems just natural and normal for the person to be effective, happy, fulfilled, successful in whatever way they are. So that's, that's a little bit about the tool set. It's a very broad tool set. So I can't, you know, it's, it's, I studied for about four to six years doing it. So it was almost like a college degree in it. And it's, it's, it's quite fascinating and it goes deeper. We also go deeper into family systems and how how systems, not only our family system, but say organizations as well, affect our individual experience and how we can untangle from that so that we can still belong and be a part of those systems, yet not affected by any negative aspects of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. And Marcy, I kind of want to riff off of that 
because I know I know the world you live in. I, I spent a lot of time in corporate uh, consulting as well. Um, and I, I'd love for you to just kind of reflect on like, what could life look like? It's because it's sort of easy to imagine ourselves, you know, sitting on the beach chair and kumbayaing, which I know, I know you're not, adv- you guys aren't advocating, but, but it's sometimes hard for us to imagine what would it look like in, in my practical day-to-day life? Like what kinds of real tangible results when, when we're willing to do the hard internal work, we get in touch with our insides and we begin to allow our internal self to guide us, what kinds of practical changes can you can you imagine happening for people in their daily life? Yeah, it's really been fascinating. And it's uh, thanks for the questions, because it makes me stop and appreciate what I'm able to do and where I'm at. And I think mostly it's allowed me to bring self-care into my life, even through work. It's allowed me to slow down responses and I mean, I use the word triggered, but uh, I often felt like I was, you know, at work, at home, triggered, and uh, and I would try and slow down my response time to being triggered and think about it. But now those triggers have kind of gone away. So at work, I um, I I think I show up as a calmer person. I show up as less reactive. I'm able to step away and take breaks and do self care without worrying that I'm missing something or that, you know, there's that somebody's going to miss me and uh and that there would be some sort of, you know, reputation damage if I'm not online 24 by 7. And it's in the reaction of people, but I feel like people are almost treating me different because I'm showing up different. And I think being kind of patient and calmed for a woo-woo term like grounded, that's an easier personality to work with and handle complicated things. I mean, we have we have a lot of uh, complicated high pressure requirements uh, at my at my work and and I feel like I'm able to stay present. I'm able to be supportive for other people. I'm able to be vulnerable and ask for help when needed. And I see that that affects the people on my team and in the group and and I think we set the tone, right? So we set the tone and and uh, and that filters down through um, through the projects I'm working on and the people I work with. And so people actually not knowing, you know, that I have this this book life and this uh, this like complementary passion uh, with this work. People actually come to me and in the middle of a one on one talk, we start talking about things that they're nervous about and things. And so then I kind of feel, find myself doing some mentorship, using the tools from the book and, and my own personal experience from Michael. And that's where I can't, I can't like detach the personal and professional life because I'm showing up with this energy and this attention in all of my life. I'm just certainly not as reactive and, and I'm less, uh, I'm definitely more vulnerable in my corporate life. And that seems to be respected and appreciated. I think it's a sign of a good leader. That's excellent. You touched on purpose. How do people find their purpose? How do you discover your life purpose? You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Viktor Frankl. And Frankl, of course, talks about, you know, a life of meaning when we are living our purpose. But how do you guide people to that through that journey of helping them find their purpose? Well, it starts, starts by knowing what you're passionate about in life, right? And everyone has some gift to bring to the world. I don't care who you are. You have something to bring and something to offer. And so I think the, the clues start with your passions and what really lights you up. What do you, what do you, 
like this, this work, I, I don't have to motivate myself to do it because it's, it's, it's my nature. I love it. You know, I, I, I had a conversation with a friend the other day and they said, Oh my God, you're giving me a free session. I hope that's okay. And I, no, my gosh, it's, it's not even like that. I just love, I would do this if I didn't get paid for it, you know? (laughs) And so I think purpose is that, that enthusiasm, that passion. And then we begin to just explore it. You know, I think, I think people think there has to be a huge flash. Like I'm going to have this big sense of knowing, right. But it doesn't have to be that grandiose. It can be how I show up. You know, Marcy mentioned earlier that context of the mountaintop experience. But a, a big part of purpose is returning to the village. How do how, and and this relates to what you just said earlier in your last question is how do we bring that back down to our everyday life, right? And so it's really how I'm showing up in the current context in my family in my community in the places that I'm engaging, right? And so sometimes that purpose, we think, oh, I have to, I have to know, you know, I'm going to be doing X, Y, and Z in the world, but it could also be how, how am I showing up to the grocery clerk? How am I interacting? How, what am I bringing? Just, just like Marcy brings such a positive energy and such a, a gift to every person she touches in the workplace that's her purpose too. Right. And it's raising her family. And so it's, 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 I think it's, we get a little hung up on the semantics of purpose. Right. And many of us are living, living our purpose without even realizing it sometimes too, which I think is pretty phenomenal. So I, I just think it's, it's, it's really just starting to explore that, that context, that, that arena and saying, I want to be more fulfilled. I want to sense that how I'm showing up and the activities I'm doing is is rich and fulfilling from and from that internal place. Well, I swear, every um, anytime I talk to somebody about the book and we talk about you know the third state and living purpose, it used to be something that you know was kind of a uh, like a just this concept and you couldn't really formulate it. But anytime I ask what gets you excited, what are your gifts and your talents? hundred percent of the time people light up, they get excited and they know. And so in the book, we talk about like, follow that a little bit, be curious about it. It's not a huge problem to solve. It's something to explore, but everyone knows, I think, the hope, hopefully with some insight, I think sometimes we get so busy in our in our mind that it's sometimes hard to sit down and think about it. But even as a child, what got you excited? What's your passion? If it wasn't for money, what would you be doing? And so just asking that question, I think it's, it's a really fun exercise. It doesn't have to be serious and heavy. It's a really fun exercise. And brainstorm with it and put ideas and then start looking for opportunities to do that. And it's, um, like I said, it could be an enjoyable process rather than something that has to be, you know, full of wisdom and, and global impact and have, and be so heavy and weighted. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Cause often we get wrapped up like, Oh, oh my God. And, and it's going to be interesting. Cause I'm going to ask you a final question in a moment, which is a really big picture question, but you're right. So much of purpose is just, what, what gets me out of bed in the morning? What would be, what would I be excited to do if I did it without financial remuneration or whatever? 
Um, if so, I'm going to ask you one big picture question that'll that'll wrap us up today. But before we do, I want to I want you to tell people how they can get involved with you, how they can find the book, etc. How can how can people connect with y'all? Yeah, thanks. Uh, probably the best way is through our website. So www.loveguides.us. So love guides us. And uh, we're, we have retreats. There's a link to the book. Michael also right now is offering a complimentary session to kind of talk about what could be uh, an opportunity for your listeners uh, in, in concert with the book or, or before ordering the book. So it's a great opportunity to learn really from a personal experience, a personal conversation, what opportunities there would be for development through this work. So Love Guides Us is the is the website. Excellent. And we'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. So here's a question I've been playing around with at the end of every episode, and I'd love for you both to answer it. So I want you to imagine that right now, the leaders of the world are listening to a Mission Driven You and they just heard what you guys uh, shared with the audience and they get really jazzed and they get really excited about helping people work from the inside out, helping people find healing, helping people become their own guides. Now imagine 15, 20 years down the line, people began to live the way you guys are advocating. How could the world change? Uh, for me, just, just considering that question, I, I get a rush of energy in my body. <laughs> It, it'd really be a different way of living. I think I think with a lot of the division that's happened in the world, you know, right versus left, we've we've forgot about a basic respect for each other and and how to just like almost getting back to manners and politeness and things that make living in a society more palatable, more more easy, more 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 easy to navigate, you know. I think a lot of people don't have the luxury of considering the collective problems where we're, we got a lot going on right now. We got climate issues, we've got political divides, we've, we've got natural disasters. Uh, they just had the huge fire in Maui. And, you know, like we feel these things as individuals. And I think when you could have a group of people or a society that honors the interior life, we come together in a more effective way to face these collective challenges. And they're not so, so debilitating for us as individuals. We feel the support, we feel that interdependence of how we create a community to address challenges and do it in a, in a positive, encouraging way. So that's kind of my inspiration to your question there. <laughs> yeah. That's a really amazing you know, vision. Thank you. I might try and think about that in a meditation, because I think the more we could feel and visualize and try and hold the energy of that being a possibility, then maybe it'll be a possibility. But I, I, I think of the word collaboration and encouragement for people to be themselves. And I think if we do that, and I have teenage kids and uh, really try and respect, as, as Michael said, who they are, not who I want them to be. I, I have a lot of hope for these next generations that have learned from maybe some of our mistakes and know that we're better and greater when we work together and when we can encourage people to express themselves 
based on who they were meant to be and the things that they're passionate about. We're not all passionate about the same thing. Not everybody wants to do transformational work and, and you know, go out and, uh, and publish information and, and show up on these speaking engagements and such. But there's, you know, my husband is a garbage man and his, his passion is um, connecting with people. And he works in some tough neighborhoods in the San Francisco Bay Area but he has such a community of support. And so even though he shows up in this big dinosaur of a truck dumping garbage, he has a love and a respect and connection within his community. So I think we would have much greater collaboration. I think success, love and, uh, and support when people are going through hard things because hard things won't go away. They still happen, but we're, we could recover and support each other in a way that I think would be really lovely and, uh, and really kind of life, life on earth changing, to be honest. That's a, a beautiful space. Well, thank you for introducing that, that concept. Well, thanks to both of you, Michael and Marcy. This was, this was a really beautiful uh, time together. I'm so grateful that you showed up and you brought your whole selves and you brought the wonderful gifts that you're giving to the world. So thank you for bringing them and for sharing them with the audience. Thank you. Gosh, what an honor to be here. And I, I really appreciate your questions and just the, what you pulled out of us was really beautiful to experience. So it's nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.